Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Ethicast. I'm your host, Bill Coffin. Our guest today is Lisa Fairfax, Presidential Professor at the University of Pennsylvania Cary Law School and co-director of the Institute for Law and Economics. Lisa teaches on the subjects of corporations, contracts, ESG, securities law, and corporate governance. Her research includes areas such as board fiduciary duties, board shareholder engagement, board composition and diversity, board oversight of ESG, and shareholder engagement and activism. Her publishing credits include numerous books and law review articles. Her book, Shareholder Democracy, a primer on shareholder activism and participation is a seminal work on shareholder activism. And in 2022, she published her article, Stakeholderism, Corporate Purpose and Credible Commitment in the Virginia Law Review. In addition to her many other achievements and accolades, Lisa currently serves as a public governor on the Board of Governors of the Financial Industry Regulation Authority, or FINRA. She also previously served as a member of the Investor Advisory Committee of the Securities and Exchange Commission. And of course, Lisa is a keynote speaker at the 2023 ESG Virtual Forum, held on September 26th and 27th. Lisa, thank you so much. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for uh, having me. I am delighted to be here, Bill, and uh, looking forward to the conversation. For those in the audience who might not be familiar with the terms that you use in your Virginia Law Review article, uh, can you briefly explain the difference between shareholder capitalism and stakeholderism? Sure. Um, you know, I think in, in a nutshell, uh, shareholder capitalism puts shareholders at the center of govern of uh, sorry corporate decision making. Whereas stakeholderism um, thinks about shareholders as one of a number of different stakeholders to whom corporations and uh, businesses owe responsibility. And so the reason why that is particularly important is because while it can be true that some stakeholder issues inure to the benefit of shareholders, and therefore shareholder capitalism may also engage in efforts that focus on helping uh, other stakeholders. And when I say stakeholders, I mean employees, customers, et cetera. Um, the key with regard to shareholders and putting shareholders at the center is that you always have to justify your actions um, or center your actions uh, about the ways in which they may help shareholders. Whereas stakeholderism is designed to decouple that. Um, and so you have basically this flexibility, if you will, uh, of thinking about all of the various uh, people that, that companies may impact and having your decisions balance those interests against one another without prioritizing necessarily any one stakeholder. Now, you mentioned in your article that stakeholderism is kind of a fickle phenomenon. Uh, and the strengths of stakeholderism seem to be self-evident to its supporters. So I'm curious, why does its support among business leaders kind of ebb and flow over time? Well, I think they ebb and flow just because of the definition I just gave you. That is, um, there's always this tension between those who think that corporations and their board should be focused solely, if not exclu exclusively, or at least primarily on shareholders and maximizing their wealth, whatever that means. Um, whereas there's another group that has always thought that you should take a broader perspective about what corporations and businesses should be doing. Um, and many people feel like there's a happy medium. And by that, I mean that 
you know, if you focus on other stakeholders, at least in the long term, that's going to benefit uh, shareholders and, of course, benefit the corporate enterprise as a whole. Um, but many people disagree with that uh, and feel like, no, you, you must at all times keep shareholders at the center um, and that if you don't focus on shareholders in the short term, you won't be able to focus on shareholders in the long term. Um, and there are also people that feel like it is um, actually risky to tell corporations and their boards that they should focus on other stakeholders. Um, this idea that um, if we tell you you can basically focus on anybody you want, we will not have a check on your behavior because you'll be all, always be able to play one group off of one another. So there is this ongoing debate. And I think what many people in the corporate and business world don't appreciate is that it has been an ongoing debate. Uh, it hasn't always been the case, for example, that this idea that shareholders have to be at the center and shareholder wealth maximization has to be the sole or priority focus of boards. That's not always been kind of where the debate around corporate law has gone. Um, and certainly even as people have proclaimed that shareholder primacy has been the victor in that debate, um, there are still many people out there that say, no, that's not true. That's neither normatively or descriptively accurate. There's always been this idea that we need to focus on stakeholders, at least at some level. One of the concepts that intrigued me most in your article was the notion of credible commitment, uh, the extent to which companies have to honor the lip service that they give to stakeholderism. Uh, so I'm curious, what are some of the most impactful best practices that you're currently seeing uh, with regards to credible commitment? Yes, thank you. And, and I, I would say, in my article, when I talk about credible commitment, I think it's important to note, of course, there are many people who believe that businesses play lip service and they have no intention whatsoever <laughs> of following through on that lip service, that it is merely rhetorical and it's in fact designed to be that way, that this is all just opportunistic. Um, I think that may be true, um, but really what's going on is that businesses have a bunch of different objectives, number one. Um, and so when you tell them they have to meet a bunch of different objectives, that is sometimes very difficult. Um, it's also the case that we have a lot of internal and external um, commitments that are focused on profit, whether or not that's earnings reports that you have to, you know, whether or not that's um, shareholders who may not be interested in the things that you have to um, report to that often tilt the balance away from other stakeholders and towards focusing on shareholders. And finally, I think it is true that focusing on commitments to other stakeholders is difficult. Sometimes we don't even know what that means in the context of one set of uh, stakeholders, take employees, and should we or should we not return to work, <laughs> right? And who's that going to benefit and who's it not? Because um, managers are employees uh, and they clearly have a view around what should happen. Whereas, you know, if you want to call them rank and file, there are other employees that have a very different view. And, and how do we balance those viewpoints out in a way that honors our commitment to that uh, group of stakeholders. And then of course, you have to know that there are some stakeholders interests that may butt up against other stakeholders interests. So it is very difficult phenomenon. And my uh, article points that out, that it is not easy actually to credibly commit 
um, to focus on other stakeholders when the group of stakeholders that you can focus on is just so large and particularly and potentially have conflicting interests. Um, so how do you credibly commit, even if we believe, believe that that's what you are trying to do? I think the first thing is actually a public commitment. My research has revealed that when companies make public commitments, even when those public commitments are broad and undefined, they are more likely to follow through on those commitments. And here I'm not just talking about disclosure that you could find in a required disclosure document. I'm actually talking about when companies make public statements, um, you know, sometimes on their earnings calls, sometimes on their Twitter feed, but you know, in the social sphere, when they make voluntary public statements, it's much more likely that they will uh, follow through on those statements. So those public commitments about having a commitment to other stakeholders is actually really important first step in terms of making sure that you can credibly commit, not only because it does something to say it out loud uh -huh, to the company, and because of course, external stakeholders can hold them accountable for those public yeah. commitments once they see them. So that's really, really important. The other thing that's important, and it may not surprise you, I'll say this because I work in the area of corporate boards, is board oversight. Uh, you know, the more companies um, have boards overseeing their uh, commitments to other stakeholders, the more likely it is that they can credibly commit. And that is because once you embed um, an oversight function with the board, it means that the board is going to be listening. <laughs> Uh, it means that you have to actually give a report to the board. Mm -hmm. uh, that means people have to get involved in talking about what do we report? <laughs> What's the information that we're going to bring to the board? There's a certain actually rigor to that process and it's a certain normalization of the process. Once you have to report up to the board, those board reports matter. And then of course, the, once the board gets a report, if they're doing taking their obligation seriously, they're gonna ask questions, they're gonna read it. Mm -hmm. They're gonna ask questions, they're gonna follow through because one report, and then you have to follow through with the next year's report and, you gotta, and we're gonna wanna see progress. And so having the board involved in this, if you will, feedback loop around your stakeholder commitments is very important um, for getting information about those commitments and for holding the company accountable with respect to those uh, commitments. And the other real important piece of credible commitment is actually having tangible policies and practices. It is important that you name what it is that you're going to do, that you measure what it is that you're going to do, and that you don't just program and look away. And by that, I mean that you hold yourself accountable for what you're going to do. Oftentimes, one of the primary reasons, I think, why we don't get credible commitments in this area is because we get the public statements, the effort at follow through with some type of policy, and then the policies and programs don't work. And nobody bothers to figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> right? So we're getting all this disclosure and all this great stuff. And sometimes they don't work because listen, in the business world, things nothing wrong with something not working. Um, we make mistakes, uh, but we need to course correct. We need to make sure somebody has their own, which is why the board oversight is important, but why also some type of accountability mechanism associated with your policies and practices is extremely important when we're thinking about how do we get this? How do we do this? How do we course correct? How do we make sure? And it's of course why measurement is key. It's interesting that 
in the business world, we measure everything, right? We have targets yeah. for everything that matters. And then we get to, right, things involving stakeholders and all of a sudden we get, want to get fluffy. <laughs> and we want to get like, oh, why, why do we need a, you know, I, I don't understand, <laughs> right? I need to be able to measure to see in the same way I need to know whether or not we've hit our profitability goal and our revenue goal and our consumer spending, right, all of these things, we put targets where I need to see whether or not we've hit our goal because sometimes, right, we will institute things that don't work and we have to make sure. And more importantly, sometimes there may be factors outside of our control that undermine our ability to hit our goal. And so we need to course correct. And, you know, that is how you credibly commit policies, practices, targets, and then accountability mechanisms around those things. To a certain extent, support for stakeholderism seems to depend on those for whom stakeholderism is really just kind of a better way to make more money rather than a way to inherently serve interests beyond the bottom line. Almost feels a little bit like a wolf in sheep's clothing. To what degree does all of that limit stakeholderism? And what can we do about it? So on the one hand, this is a criticism that we hear a lot about stakeholderism. Um, and of course, to the extent that the way in which you define stakeholderism is this notion that companies should not hold shareholders at the center, that they should be looking at the impact of their decisions on all stakeholders. Um, then the idea that that look is limited by shareholders, um, even if it's only limited by whether or not shareholders have an interest in other stakeholders versus whether or not shareholders can make money <laughs> uh, and it will inure to their financial bottom line. There is still this natural limit to pursuing these other interests in the context of the business form. Um, and what I will say is that is true. <laughs> uh, and that's an inevitable byproduct of looking at these interests, pursuing these interests in the context of the business form. And I would say for the most part, I'm comfortable with that limit. And that may seem surprising to you, but the reason why I am is because I think that there are many different entities that can pursue the interests of stakeholders. The fact that corporations are also involved in that pursuit isn't something that we can look at scans at. But a corporation is not a regulatory body whose sole mission is something else. A corporation is not a nonprofit. A corporation is not an NGO who may have other missions and other ways in which they promote these interests. So I don't think that the fact that the corporation may have a natural limit in terms of its interest with regard to shareholders should prevent us from holding corporations accountable for what they should and can do. I believe that corporations have an obligation to focus on other stakeholders. Um, how we think about that obligation um, may be different, right? And I think that while some people may be troubled by the fact that companies think about the other stakeholders, either through the lens of shareholders or through the lens of a kind of business motivation. That is an inevitable byproduct of the fact that we are dealing with a for-profit entity. At the end of the day, they are motivated by making money. Many of us believe that you there is, it is not incompatible to be thinking about making money 
and also thinking about other stakeholders, right? You have to think about the well-being of your workers and you have to try to prevent turnover, for example, and you have to try to promote a good workforce culture if you're going to retain workers. If you have a lot of worker turnover, that's a bad financial look. And in the long term, that's not going to be helpful for you. And we, many people have said it before about the environment. There is no planet B. Right? You have to focus on sustainability because it is an existential threat that will impact your ability to do business in the future. More importantly, we are all seeing with all of these weather-related catastrophes that they have real economic repercussions. The fact that you have all of these businesses pulling out of insuring entities and homeowners in certain areas where there are weather-related disasters, and you're having all of these businesses impacted by those disasters. These are real life issues that, yes, involve other stakeholders, but have a dollar sign associated with them. In the same way, if you're not thinking about diversity and how best to include the diverse set of workers into your pipeline, you're going to run out of workers, <laughs> right? And you're going to have the risk not only of running out of workers, but having a lot of diversity related events happen on your watch that have a dollar sign associated with them. Mm -hmm. These are not fake problems. These are real problems that have to do with the fact that companies must attend to them if they're going to have long-term sustainability. It is not a zero sum game. Yes, you may have to make short-term changes, but it is true that for the most part, the long-term arc bends towards looking at all of these issues because in the long run, I believe they you will be financially better off. And there are lots of studies that support my belief. And even if there are studies that don't, we know in the business world, you have to take a risk and you have to make a calculated assessment about is this or is this not going to be helpful in the long run? And there's too much evidence to suggest that you must focus on that if you want to get to the long run. There are plenty of other entities out there and individuals out there who are not necessarily uh, cabined by issues related to profit. And just because the corporation is cabined by those issues doesn't mean that they shouldn't also play a role in addressing those issues. Yes, the corporation is not a nonprofit. It is not an NGO. It is not a regulator, right? It doesn't have a mission that's solely focused on some of these really important issues. But number one, the corporation oftentimes is the primary contributor to some of these issues. The corporation includes some of the best and the brightest innovators around these issues. And the corporation has a lot of resources that they can devote to thinking about these issues and helping to ameliorate these issues. Why would we therefore tell the corporation just because you have a profit motive, you can't be involved, you can't have a seat no. at the table. We need corporations to be partners and leaders around these issues, absolutely. And when they do so, I just want to be clear, they are in no way right bumping up against their fiduciary obligation because their obligation does involve considering these other interests because these other interests impact their ability to do business. <laughs> And their ability, certainly in the long run, right, to make money. And it impacts risk and opportunity. That well, Lisa, this has been a fascinating conversation. Thank you so much for coming on the show and for sharing your insights with us today. Thank you.
To read Lisa's article, Stakeholderism, Corporate Purpose, and Credible Commitment, please visit virginialawreview.org. And to get a copy of her book, Shareholder Democracy, a primer on shareholder activism and participation, please visit Carolina Academic Press at cap-press.com. As we mentioned earlier, Lisa will be a keynote speaker at the 2023 ESG Virtual Forum held on September 26th and 27th. To register for that event, please visit ethosphere.com slash global events. Members of the Business Ethics Leadership Alliance can get up to five free passes to this event. So please contact your engagement director to learn more. I'm Bill Coffin, and this has been The Ethicast. For more episodes, please visit the Ethisphere YouTube channel at youtube.com slash ethisphere. And if this is your first time enjoying the show, please make sure to like and subscribe either on YouTube or on our podcasting platforms at Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon Music. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, remember, strong ethics is good business.